Welcome back to A Minder. I'm Courtney Klosky, and I will be your host for this podcast episode. Today, we will be discussing papers from September of 2020. The papers in this episode are in the category of disease mechanisms on my absolute favorite topic, apolipoprotein E, or APOE. And a little background to get you oriented before we jump into the papers, and I'm going to reiterate this as we move through the episode. But APOE is the largest genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's disease, with APOE4 conferring an increased risk to Alzheimer's disease. We will be talking about APOE4 as well as two other isoforms, APOE3, which is often thought to be the control phenotype, and APOE2, which has been hypothesized to be protective for Alzheimer's disease. All of the papers today will be related to APOE in one way, shape, or form, so stay tuned for some interesting papers. Welcome to Aminder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you, so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme, and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. Before we dive into this paper specifically, I also want to mention that APOE is such a wide-ranging genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's disease, so we also have a few APOE papers that are covered in other episodes this month including the fluid biomarkers episode, the cerebral vascular changes episode, and the sex differences episode. So once you finish this one, go check those out for even more information on APOE. Okay, let's do this thing. This episode has 12 papers, and they are grouped into four broad categories. We will be looking at papers describing the impact of APOE on cognitive abilities, looking at the ethnic variability within APOE, looking at how APOE impacts the brain using neuroimaging methods, and my favorite topic from today is looking at the genetics behind APOE. But before we jump into this, I do want to give a disclaimer that I'm simply giving you summaries of the abstracts, and I'm not critiquing the scientific rigor of these manuscripts. So if you want to check out any more about these papers that I'm discussing today, you can get the bibliography for the episode and look into the papers and take a deeper dive so you can judge the scientific rigor yourself. Okay, let's get started with our group of papers on how APOE impacts cognitive abilities. Our first paper of this episode is titled Differential Associations of APOE4 Genotype with Attentional Abilities across the lifespan of individuals with Down syndrome. The first author is D'Souza, and the last author is Thomas, and this work was published in JAMA Network Open. Individuals with Down syndrome are at a higher risk for developing Alzheimer's disease than the general population due to the genetics associated with Down syndrome. The authors of this study investigated the association between ApoE4 and attentional abilities in individuals with Down syndrome over a range of ages. The authors use a cross-sectional study with the data on individuals with Down syndrome, looking at both APOE status and attentional abilities. 
The younger cohort consists of children anywhere from eight months to three years old, and the older cohort have individuals ranging from 16 to 71. And if you're interested in the specifics of how they measured attentional abilities, please go check out the paper. Overall, they found that in Down syndrome children with APOE4, the authors observed an increase in attentional abilities compared to non-APOE4 carriers. In adults, while attentional abilities were not different between APOE status, they were worse in the APOE4 group within older adults. So overall, APOE4 appears to have a beneficial effect early in life, but not later in life within individuals with Down syndrome. Our second paper in this episode is titled Longitudinal Associations Between Hippocampus Atrophy and Episodic Memory Decline in Non-Demented APOE4 Carriers. This paper has first author Gorbach and last author Nyberg. This was published in the journal Alzheimer's and Dementia, Diagnosis, Assessment, and Disease Monitoring. So we know that APOE4 is not just a risk factor that increases Alzheimer's disease. It also accelerates cognitive aging and is associated with an increase in hippocampal atrophy. The authors of the study wanted to investigate if there is an association between memory decline and hippocampal atrophy in APOE4 carriers without dementia. The authors used the European Life Brain Consortium to look at 748 individuals. The authors used several tests for episodic memory, and they used magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI, to measure hippocampal volume. The authors found a significant association between hippocampal atrophy and memory decline in APOE4 carriers, overall showing that APOE4 has many impacts in overall brain health and not just Alzheimer's disease pathology. Our third paper of this episode is titled Apolipoprotein E and Health in Older Men, the Concord Health and Aging in Men Project. This paper has first author Le Coutier and last author Handelsman. This was published in the Journal of Gerontology, Series A. The authors of this study wanted to further investigate the cognitive function within the Concord Health and Aging in Men project. The men were followed for up to 12 years, with baseline measurements being taken at the start of the study. Baseline measurements on frailty were measured using the Cardiovascular Health Study Criteria and the Rockwood Frailty Index. Cognition was measured using the Many Mental State Exam and the Addenbrooke's Cognitive Exam. The authors found that APOE2 beneficially associated with cholesterol, creatinine, gamma-glutamine transamase, HDL cholesterol, and glucose. APOE4, on the other hand, was poorly associated with cholesterol and albumin. Additionally, it showed negative impacts on the clinical diagnosis for Alzheimer's disease. Overall, the authors found that age and region of birth were both associated with APOE genotype in older men. In this cohort, cognitive function was more associated with frailty than APOE genotype, 
even though APOE4 was more closely associated with Alzheimer's disease diagnosis. Our fourth paper in this episode is titled APOE4 and the Influence of Sex, Age, Vascular Risk Factors, and Ethnicity on Cognitive Decline. Our first author is Makar, with last author Sachadev. This was published in the Journals of Gerontology, Series A. This is another paper looking at the sex differences in APOE-mediated risk, but the authors of this study wanted to know if this effect of APOE4 is moderated by either sex, baseline age, ethnicity, or vascular risk factors. The authors used almost 20,000 patients from 15 separate cohorts, which is a lot. That is very impressive. The results of many statistical testing methods showed that with cognition, women with APOE4 had a faster overall cognitive decline and men had a faster memory decline. When looking at the dose-dependent effect of either one or two copies of APOE4, older men had a worse outcome. Vascular risk factors also appear to have an impact on younger females with APOE4 and a slight effect on older men. Overall, APOE4 plays a role in both women and men, showing increased age and that two copies of APOE4 had a larger effect on men and in females with APOE4, they had an increase in vascular risk factors early in adulthood. Our fifth paper of this episode is titled Superior Short-Term Memory in APOE2 Carriers Across the Age Range, with first author Zokiai and last author Hussein. This was published in the Journal of Behavioral Brain Research. So by now, we know that APOE4 confers an increased risk to Alzheimer's disease. Research also suggests that APOE2 confers a decreased risk in Alzheimer's disease. These findings with APOE2 have been seen in both neuroimaging studies as well as neuropathology studies. However, the effect of the APOE isoform on cognition has not yet been fully understood. The authors studied the role of APOE2 on cognition by testing short-term memory in 300 APOE2 E3 individuals and 554 E3 E3 individuals spread over a wide range of ages. The authors found that APOE2 showed a significant memory advantage over APOE3, regardless of the ages. This suggests that APOE2 has a positive effect on cognition and is not just reducing the risk of Alzheimer's disease. Our sixth paper is titled The Association of APOE2 Genotype with Alzheimer's Disease and Non-Alzheimer's Disease Neurodegenerative Pathologies. This has first author Goldberg and last author Devond. This was published in the Journal of Nature Communications. So going along with the previous paper, this one also looks at the protective role of APOE2 in Alzheimer's disease. And this study looked at the association of APOE2 with multiple other neuropathologies. The authors used the National Alzheimer's Coordinating Center, or NANAC, version 10 database 
which contains 1,557 brains with 130 APOE2 samples and 679 APOE4 samples. They explored the neuroprotective effects of APOE2. With Alzheimer's disease pathology, APOE2 showed a significant protective effect against Alzheimer's disease compared to both APOE3 and APOE4. Interestingly, the APOE2-E4 individuals showed pathology levels similar to an APOE4 patient. When looking at frontal temporal lobar pathologies and other telopathies, APOE2 was not significantly associated with the pathology. Overall, these findings that suggest that APOE2 has a neuroprotective effect on Alzheimer's disease pathology. Paper number seven of this episode is titled Association Between APOE2 and Amyloid Beta Burden in Patients with Alzheimer's Disease and Vascular Type Cognitive Impairment with first author San Lee and last author So. This was published in the Journal of Neurology. The authors of this study investigated the association between APOE isoforms and the amyloid burden in patients with either subcortical vascular cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's disease cognitive impairment. To do this, the authors used positron emission topography, or PET, on 310 subcortical vascular cognitive impairment patients and 999 Alzheimer's disease cognitive impairment patients. The data were analyzed using a multivariant logistic regression analysis. When looking at the Alzheimer's disease cognitive impairment group, the authors showed APOE2 had a decreased amyloid beta burden compared to APOE33 patients. However, when looking into subcortical vascular cognitive impairment, APOE2 showed an increase in amyloid beta positivity. Overall, the authors found that APOE2 is associated with amyloid beta deposition in patients with subcortical vascular cognitive impairment rather than Alzheimer's disease cognitive impairment. Okay, now let's look at papers related to ethnic variability behind the APOE isoforms. Our eighth paper for this episode is titled Characterizing Clinical and Neuropathological Traits of APOE Haplotypes in African Americans and Europeans, with first author Mazzini and last author Das. This was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Recent literature has begun to suggest that the effect of APOE4 might be population-specific, with some studies finding that APOE4 might decrease the risk of Alzheimer's disease and Blacks and African Americans. The goal of this study was to further investigate if APOE haplotypes impact the risk using individuals with European ancestry and Blacks or African Americans. The authors used patients from two separate cohorts, the National Alzheimer's Coordinating Centers and the Rush University Religious Order Study and Memory and Aging Project, or ROSMAP. In all of the comparisons, APOE3 homozygotes were used as the reference. In this study, the authors found no significant difference in risk or age of onset with APOE4 in either European ancestry or the African-American individual. The authors also looked to see if there was a potential variant surrounding APOE to impact the effect of APOE4. 
but there were no genes identified. Overall, the authors of this study found that the risk of APOE4 is not impacted by the heritage of an individual and more research is needed to better understand the heterogeneity behind the impact of APOE4 across all backgrounds. Okay, our ninth paper for this episode is titled APOE4 and Resting State Functional Connectivity in Racially Ethnically Diverse Older Adults. This study has first author Turney and last author Brickman. This was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's and Dementia, Diagnosis, Assessment, and Disease Monitoring. APOE4 has been associated with the resting state functional cognitivity within regions in the default mode network, or DMN, in multiple neuroimaging studies. These studies have explored both healthy and demented patient populations. However, many of these studies did not consider these networks across race and ethnicity. This study investigating resting state functionality with 170 APOE4 carriers and 387 non-carriers from the Washington Heights Einwood Columbia Aging Project. Individuals were separated into three major racial ethnic groups, non-Hispanic whites, non-Hispanic blacks, and Hispanics. The authors found that non-Hispanic white APOE4 carriers showed a lower resting state functional cognitivity in the temporal default mode network. Non-Hispanic blacks and Hispanic APOE4 carriers showed comparable functional cognitivity levels to non-Hispanic whites that are non-APOE4 carriers. Overall, this study suggests that APOE4 impacts the default mode network differentially in non-Hispanic white populations compared to non-Hispanic blacks or Hispanics. Now let's take a quick break before we learn more about neuroimaging. Hey listeners, I'm here to let you know Aminder is recruiting. If you're interested in joining us, shoot us an email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back from the break. Now we will be looking at some neuroimaging with the APOE isoforms. Our 10th paper of this episode is titled A Systemic Review of Altered P300 Event Related Potential in APOE4 Carriers with first author Pedroso and last author Cominti. This was published in the Journal of Clinical EEG Neuroscience. APOE4 has been shown to be related to many other neurological problems associated with cognitive decline and overall brain health. The authors performed a systematic review to determine the association between APOE4 and altered P300 events. P300 is an event related to potential, which is an essential part of decision-making. This is often measured using EEG. So the authors used existing literature to determine if there's a potential link here. And they looked at almost a thousand studies and found that APOE4 is related to a longer P300 latency, leading to a negative impact on overall cognitive health. Our 11th paper for this episode is titled Sex-Dependent Effects of APOE4 Allele on Behavioral Traits and White Matter Structures in Young Adults. This has first author Takeuchi 
and last author, Kawashima. This was published in Cerebral Cortex. So not only has APOE4 been associated with an increased risk of Alzheimer's disease in the elderly population, but it also presents a higher risk to females than males. However, the effect of APOE4 on younger adults is less clear-cut. This study wanted to investigate the effect of APOE4 on sex in 1,258 younger adults. In this cohort, they studied the effect of APOE4 on cognitive function. The authors used regional white matter volume and some simple speed tasks. In their analysis, the authors found a significant impact when comparing sex and APOE4. And if you want more details on the results or methods, be sure to go check out this paper. But overall, these findings suggest that APOE4 plays a more detrimental role in females than males, regardless of their age. Moving right along to our 12th paper of the episode, titled Toehold Mediated Strand Displacement Reaction for Dual Signal Electrochemical Assay of Apolipoprotein E Genotypes. This has first author Liu and last author Wang. This was published in ACS Sensors. The authors of this study were exploring a potential assay for APOE genotyping. The authors used the toehold mediated strand displacement reaction to genotype samples. And I know that's a mouthful, but basically this method uses methylene blue and a ferrocene capped detection probe modified gold nanoparticle which binds to specific codons that distinguish APOE2, APOE3, and APOE4, and it allows a voltrometric signal to distinguish the isoforms. And I know that there is a lot more physics behind that, but that is about as comfortable as I am in describing this. This method sounds super awesome, so if you want more details and can understand the physics, go check out the paper. But overall, the authors determined that this method is a versatile platform that can be used to distinguish these six APOE genotypes, both the three heterozygotes and the three homozygous from DNA extractions of Alzheimer's disease patient samples. Okay, our 13th paper is titled APOE interacts with tau pet to influence memory independently of amyloid pet in older adults without dementia. This has first author Wigand and last author Bondi. This was published in Alzheimer's and Dementia. The authors of this study wanted to investigate the impact of APOE isoforms using both amyloid and tau PET imaging and correlating these interactions with cognition. The authors used the Alzheimer's Disease Neuroimaging Initiative cohort to investigate 297 non-demented older adults. Regression equations were used to determine the association between cognition and cortical amyloid PET and the association between cognition and medial temporal tau. In all of the analyses, the authors included the interaction with the results with APOE4 carrier status. Overall, amyloid beta PET was not associated with cognition and did not show an interaction with APOE. But medial temporal lobe tau was associated 
with cognition, with a strong interaction between APOE and medial temporal lobe tau, even if the patient was not positive for amyloid beta in their brain. These findings show that APOE potentially interacts with tau independently of amyloid beta, and this has the strongest impact with the medial temporal lobe tau. Okay, we're almost done with this episode, so finally, let's explore the genetic mechanisms of APOE. Our 14th paper of this episode is titled Generation and Characterization of a Novel Human IPSC Line from a Resilient Alzheimer's Disease Patient with first author Das and last author Mariki. This was published in Stem Cell Research. Generation of new induced pluripotent stem cell lines, or iPSCs, is an incredibly beneficial way to help researchers understand Alzheimer's disease. The authors of this study derived an iPSC line from an Alzheimer's disease patient with an APOE44 genotype, but she was resilient to cognitive decline for 10 years. These cells were characterized by the authors who were able to confirm that this cell line could differentiate into three germ cell layers, which helps confirm their pluripotency. This could be a powerful tool to help researchers understand the complexities of how some people stay resilient and avoid cognitive decline for longer than the average period. Okay, the 15th paper of this episode is titled Lack of APOE Christchurch Variant in Five Age of Onset Outliers with Presenilin-1 presenilin 2 Alzheimer's disease, and MAP-T-FTD. This has first author U and last author Bird. This was published in the Journal of Neurological Sciences. The authors here expanded on a study from 2019 where researchers from Massachusetts General identified an individual that was homozygous for an autosomal dominant Alzheimer's disease mutation with an additional mutation that presented with an atypical age of onset. In this current study, the authors looked at five individuals from Alzheimer's-dominant families that showed a delay of age of onset for Alzheimer's disease compared to other individuals in their families. The authors asked the question, do these five individuals carry either the APOE Christchurch variant or another modifying variant, such as the Clothos VS that could be leading to this delay of onset. The results showed that four out of the five did not have either variant. However, one of the five patients did have the Clothos VS variant. The authors concluded that the APOE Christchurch variant and the Clothos VS are not common and are not age of onset modifiers, though the authors did note that this study needs to be explored in more than just five individuals. Our 16th paper for this episode is titled APOE4 TOM40L Haplotype Increases the Risk of Mild Cognitive Impairment Conversion to Alzheimer's Disease. This has first author Cadroso and last author Resende. This was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Typically, if a patient goes into the clinic with a memory concern, they are not initially diagnosed with a full dementia diagnosis. They're often diagnosed with pre-dementia, which is often called mild cognitive impairment or MCI. 
The authors wanted to look further into this conversion from MCI to Alzheimer's disease to see if there are polymorphisms in TOM40 that can alter this conversion time. I know this might seem like a jump because we've been talking about APOE this whole episode, but APOE and TOM40 have historically been discussed together due to the transcription of both of these genes. And there might be another episode of Aminder related to mitochondrial proteins, which might talk a little bit more about this TOM40 APOE connection. And also, before I jump into the main focus of this paper, I just want to disclaim that I am not a geneticist, so if you are, be sure to go check out this paper for more details. Anyway, to study if TOM40 polymorphisms, specifically the TOM40523, impact the conversion from MCI to Alzheimer's disease, the authors used 147 Alzheimer's disease individuals, 102 MCI individuals, and 105 cognitively normal individuals. The authors also investigated if any Alzheimer's disease biomarkers in the CSF impacted this conversion. The authors found that the TOM40523L allele was significantly more frequent in the MCI Alzheimer's disease group, and the presence of at least one L allele increased the conversion from MCI to Alzheimer's disease. Additionally, this polymorphism was also significantly associated with an Alzheimer's disease biomarker profile in the CSF. The authors also wanted to investigate if the presence of APOE4 had an impact on this effect, but you can check out the paper for more details on how they did that part. Long story short, this study shows that APOE4, TOM40523 haplotype, is associated with an increased risk of Alzheimer's disease, as well as a shorter time to convert from MCI to Alzheimer's disease. And this shift is potentially pushed by CSF biomarkers. Okay, we're almost done. We've got two papers left in this episode. Paper number 17 from this episode is titled, The APOE4 exerts differential effects on familial and other subtypes of Alzheimer's disease. This paper has first author J and last author J. This was published in Alzheimer's and Dementia. The authors of this study wanted to investigate the effect of APOE isoforms within the Chinese population. Using over 15,000 patients, the authors explored the prevalence of APOE genotypes in patients that were grouped either into familial Alzheimer's disease with no genetic mutations, familial Alzheimer's disease with presenilin or APP mutations, or sporadic Alzheimer's disease, or normal controls. So there are four groups they were looking at. The authors found that APOE4 was a positive predictor within familial Alzheimer's disease with no genetic mutations. This study shows that the impact of APOE4 plays a role in the familial Alzheimer's disease cases that are not associated with presenilin or APP mutations within the Chinese population. Okay, here's our last one. This is paper number 18 from this episode, titled APOE4 Exhibits Intermediates with Domain Interactions, with first author Dolay and last author Garai. This was published in BBA, Proteins and Proteomics. This paper is highlighting the structural domains of APOE isoforms, 
specifically looking at the changes between ApoE3 and ApoE4, which is based on a single amino acid substitution at 112, changing a cysteine to an arginine. And this simple change is thought to alter the interaction between the N-terminal domain and the C-terminal domain, which has major functional consequences. The authors wanted to explore how other amino acid substitutions at the 112 location in APOE might impact the interaction of APOE and its N-terminal, C-terminal domains. The authors explored the stability and interaction between these domains using Forstier Resonance Energy Transfer, or FRET, and they found that APOE4 has more stable intermediate interactions at the N-terminal domain, which could be leading to the increase in pathological function of APOE4. And with that, we have come to the end of this episode on the genetic landscapes of APOE. Before I let you go, a few reminders. If you are interested in getting the bibliography that comes along with this episode, join our mailing list. Information on how to join is in the episode notes that are probably below. Also, don't forget to add a minder on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in joining our team, Email us with your CV and what you would like to do with us. No experience is required, just an interest and an enthusiasm for science communication and neuroscience. And now I want to thank the entire team that helped make this episode possible, including Ellen and Jack for sorting the papers in this episode, for Sarah for editing this episode, and Bamuka for the bibliography, and Sarah for the word cloud, which you can see with this episode. Also for Anusha for helping editing the summaries and for the music that you've heard along with this episode, which you can find on SoundCloud under Anusha Kmesh and YouTube under AK Music. And finally, we hope that you have found this podcast useful and accessible. We look forward to having you listen to another one of our podcasts very soon. Thank you.